If you're afraid of something, it must be important to you. Because the cave that you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. So, do you need to fear repercussions of being open and vulnerable? This podcast taught me absolutely not. Ultimately, you'll be alright. Tom Blackledge, a true gladiator, former world champion fighter, pioneer of UK MMA, that's mixed martial arts, and TV star on the Ultimate Fighter series. Now remember to hit follow on this podcast and subscribe to the Business Excellence channel on YouTube. Let's do this. Tom, this is the second time now that we meet and I've done my homework and I spoke to someone and they said, James, you've got to talk about fear with Tom. Why do people keep recommending that I talk about fear with you? Um, I think because that's something that I help a lot of people with. Like, and, you know, it's very encompassing, isn't it? I think it's not just, I want to just say it was just fear, but that's fear is probably the encapsulation of all the things. Inside. What what are the ingredients of fear? Let's just get them out. What are they? Um, well, I mean, I know people will come to me and talk to me, and I'll I'll talk about you know facing things that you're afraid of. Yeah. And I always liken the quote of, of Joseph Murphy of the cave you fear to enter. Uh, Joseph Campbell, Luke, the cave you fear to enter is uh, holds a treasure you seek. And I think the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek it's quite nice that isn't it yeah, just digest I, I think it, when you sit with it and you think and you think right because I think if you're afraid of something it must mean something to you there must be a reason why and I think if if there's a reason you're afraid of it you've got to push in because there's going to be a reward at the end of it all and whether that's physical or mental or Financial, whatever reward it is, there's going to be something when you push through that that fear or that anxiety. You're going to grow. You're going to feel change. That's quite interesting, isn't it? I just just digesting what you said. If you're afraid of something, it must be something that's important to you. Yeah, like people said to me about fighting now. So like when I used to fight and compete, I had I learned more through fighting and through that career that taught me a lot more later on. Um, that I applied to everything else that's a business and mindset and development. <clears throat> but they'll say to me now about fighting, do you miss fighting? And I'll, I'll, sometimes I do miss fighting. I can't lie. Like my ego misses fighting probably a little bit and thinks maybe we're getting involved and wanting to be seen a little bit fighting. And there's parts in me, there's parts in all of us that enjoy a little bit of violence. And is that is that right? There's parts in I, I think everybody does. I think everybody everybody would like to be able to fight. I think I think uh, probably I reckon a lot of people would would challenge that point. Do you think? Yeah, just a layperson, you know. No, but I think they would like to be able to fight. They would because because there is not who would not want to be confident. So right, okay, so interesting because I'm I'm just processing and. Maybe they would, because you know when you when you face with a challenge, you've got to fight against it, haven't you? Always, there's always everything. So I, I, I was thinking fighters in physical violence, but there's a, just challenges in life that you got to fight fight through things. But if you want anything, because that is inherently what we are. If isn't you it? want anything, so like we can, if if we look to ourselves, 
in all of history is even our nervous system is fight or flight or rest and digest. We have times when we need to be in fight or flight and we have times when we need to be in rest and digest. We must be able to fight. There is a reason our bodies physiological change, uh, physio physiological changes um, when it's in need and it needs to change sometimes. So I think, and I, I don't want to be like generic and say everybody wants this because I don't, I don't mean it in them terms, in them absolute terms as such, but I don't think there's many people who wouldn't like to be confident. Now I can say that most of the time, if you were to lock me in a room with another man, there would be no fear on me if there, were, if there was a violent altercation. And I'm not a professional fighter anymore, but I'm very, very confident and comfortable in my abilities. And what that allows me to do is to be free of that fear, which instills me with confidence because I know I have the competence in physical altercation if need be. But only that, not only does that give me the confidence, but it gives me a very calm demeanor that I'm okay. I don't need to impress on anyone. I don't need to belittle or me, yeah. me into anybody. I want the opposite. So I'm very vulnerable. It allows me and affords me the opportunity to be very vulnerable and open. And I will speak, and if anyone ever speaks to me, I'm very vulnerable and open about my thoughts and my feelings, uh, the love I have for people and the way that I will think and speak. Because I don't fear the repercussions of being open up. And I think when people can be that confident that it really assists in what we're after doing. How important is that in success, being open and vulnerable? I think I think there is no choice if depending on your terminology for success and, and um you know, we all have different markers for success, don't we? Um you know, but I think I think to be open, you can live yourself. You can live with yourself a lot happier. You don't seem to have the same um, self hatred. Might be a little bit yeah. too strong, but you know, a little bit of self condemnation. And but you you said right at the start of that no choice. So is being open and vulnerable an absolute choice that I've got to make if I want to be truly successful? I think so. Yeah, because you're not going all in, are you? If you aren't if you aren't vulnerable, you aren't all in, are you? It's a good point. Is is it? Why not? Um. In what way would you mean? Then why not? Like, all right. So if I, why am I not all in if I'm not open and vulnerable? Because you're holding stuff back, aren't you? You're protecting yourself, aren't you? It's like in a relationship. If you love somebody, you so have to be vulnerable in loving. Got to let the guard down. Of course you have. Yeah, you can. How I, I can't say that I love you, but yeah, I'm going to keep myself back. Because I'm not embracing all the things of, of, of loving you, of, of being with you all. So, is part of your job as a coach in removing fear from people to let the guard down, to you know face the repercussions? If you don't face fear the repercussions of being open and vulnerable, you'll never be successful. Well, yeah, but it's being comfortable with and also knowing that Ultimately, you'll be all right. What does it matter? You know, like me, my role as a leader is is to be vulnerable and to show them and the people, whoever 
I help coach in whatever endeavor it is that they're doing. I have to be able to show them that it's okay to be vulnerable and to be open and to make mistakes and to fail and to learn from them lessons and then grow. How important is that kind of language? You know, what's it matter anyway? And it's all right to, to be this. It's okay. How important is that language that you're using there in helping someone become at ease with with fear of... Well, I, th- I think how many people create things in the mind that have a negative effect? They, they visualize a negative outcome and not in the way the Stoics would use it in like premeditation or malorum, which would be visualize negative outcome and then we'll backwards from there and see how you would cope so that now you realize it's not actually as bad as you think, right? And then also what it does, it, it preempts you. If anything does go wrong, you've already seen it and now you have and understand ways and means with which to deal with the negativity that you thought, that you, that you saw. You know, Frank Dick, he calls that a pre-mortem. So you know what post-mortem is? Yeah. Hey, you know, after something's happened, they, they do an analysis. But he says the pre-mortem in high performance is, is really important. You've got to say, right, what if everything goes wrong? What would happen? How would we deal with it? What would the journey look like? So and, and almost and that is, it's exactly the that, same. that negative That's visualization. Exactly but it's like when, when these things happen, we, I'll see a lot of people afraid of starting a business or doing something like going to compete even or going to have a fight. They're so worried about the, the outcome. The consequence and the consequences of their actions that they can't even start because they're so afraid. And it's like, but if you if you go, what's the worst that could happen? And then going back to the point that we we're on about before is, well, it, none of it really matters. None of it matters really, you know, because you will be forgotten pretty quick. Like, and I don't just mean as in, you know, yesterday's news is. Well, they, what did they used to say? Yesterday's news is tomorrow's chip wrapper or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't even mean in them terms. I mean in that you will die and people will forget you. It's very, yeah. very... They will cry at your funeral and then they will carry on with their lives and it will go on. And then years and years later, no one will ever think back, apart from the thing of how you made them feel. And then those people will also die who you interacted with then and they will be gone and then all your memories will be gone and it won't matter anyway. And it's once it, it sounds morbid at first, and people think that it's morbid. Like the Stoics, yeah. the memento mori coin, that remember you will die. Like when you remember you will die, a lot of the stuff, it's like it won't matter, it'll pass. Yes. It will pass. This too will pass. You Who know? said that? Who? I was trying to digest. This well, too is, will, is it a, Buddhism that? It's a Stoic tenet. Is it? Yeah, memento mori was a coin. They, they have a coin. Like everyone we saw, I have a couple actually. Um, and it's just a coin. And it's like if ever you, you know, if ever I was in a, a point of, there's a bit of pressure of, of doing something, you know, maybe um, even even before a fight, you know, you would be like, you know, remember you, you're going to die. Are you a Stoic? I wouldn't say I was a Stoic. I've embraced a lot of the Stoic tenets, the same as I, I would with Just t- Just tell everybody who's listening, some people might not know what Stoicism is. is. Okay, so st- Stoicism um, is a philosophy from like 2,000 years ago. It's different from the word stoic. Um, it, it It's a bit of a misunderstanding, really, I think. But stoicism with a big S is a philosophy, and it was called stoicism because they s- stood on a porch 
and the porch was called like a Stoa Palika or something. So, yeah. so it, it became Stoicism. It was created by uh, a philosopher called Zeno of Citium. Zeno had, uh, he was a merchant and he brought in like uh, a lot of cloths and things like that and he was a, a rich man. But on this ship, his ship got into a shipwreck right. and he lost all of his business. And he went to a bookshop and spoke to the uh, the man in the bookshop. Well, in fact, no, he saw, he, saw, he saw an oracle first. Sorry, I'm skipping the story. I'm just trying to condense it. But he, he saw an oracle and the oracle said to him to to grow and to become more or whatever. You, uh, you need to speak to the dead. And so he was a bit confused and couldn't look at what it was. And then gradually he came to the conclusion that he meant you must go and read to become more and read from all the prior teachings and and yeah. learnings of the former uh, philosophers. Yeah. And so he did, and then he, you know, it, it goes on like this, that then he created Stoicism. Um, and it, and it's definitely a sort of control of perspective, a control of emotion. It's actually... It's control. So people think that Stoicism is emotionless, is to be emotionless. Yeah, okay. But it isn't emotionless. It's It's to be rid of the negative emotions because they aren't serving and they don't serve you and they don't serve anybody else. They don't serve the people you love. That's like the, the pretty much. What was it called? Ryan Holiday. Was it Holiday? Ryan Holiday he, yeah. he, he's in a number of books on this, hasn't he? Yeah, he's got a lot of books. Um, Ego is the Enemy. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a lot, you know, there's, there's quite a lot. I think his earlier ones probably have a bit more, are a bit more welcoming to, a number of years back, he became really popular because they had the 365 Stoic beliefs. Yeah. There's one for, you basically read a page. Well, a. I mean, so that book, so Ryan Holiday there, he's gone to that book, hasn't he? He's taken that thing of like a page a day because not many people read, do they? Like I always recommend to everybody, you, you've got to read if you want to improve. If you go to anyone, like success leaves clues, doesn't it? If you go to someone who's, doing really well and achieving the things they want to achieve. I would probably bet they have a bookshelf filled with books yeah, and they read every day or listen to audio books every day. Like we're very blessed now in this world that we can learn. There's so much valuable information that we can pick up from so many places. Like someone with no money could still get a lot of information, couldn't they? And become on the path to success. Very simply like anyone. and, And I think, you you look at these people and I say like you you want to read books, you need to read like I'm, I read a lot, all the time, purposefully on the things that I want to read about. I don't really read fiction very often, um, but I read a lot of books and yeah. on the things that I'm interested in. Um, yeah, look, leaders are readers. Jim Rohn says that yeah. they, there you go. Let's come back to where we started here on fear, and and let's mention pressure because pressure's Pressure's a fact of life, yeah, for, for people experience pressure in different situations. How do you coach people to deal with that? Right, so it's really strange the thing of fear. Some people, like we are all afraid and we all have to admit because our bodies will do things. Now, people will react very differently to the different stimulus of fear. Something that you think is really easy someone would think 
it's the most difficult thing. I couldn't do it. I can't do it. And they get themselves so worked up and panicked and, yeah. and worried. Like, if you're to sit in front of people, like for you sitting in, the, in front of a camera and speaking, it's very easy for you to do it. It's like, you know, I'm sure, probably the first time you did it, you were a little bit okay. overthinking it and nervous and worried. But that's the, the thing of what I like to say is competence breeds confidence. So when you're confident, then that passes across in what you're doing. Now, you can only get that confidence and the competence by doing what you need to do and being exposed to it. So you're going to feel feelings of nervousness and it's being able to reframe them things of being it's normal. nervous. Of course it's normal. Like We have to, like I said before, if it means something to you, you'll be nervous, you'll be a little bit worried and you'll, you'll, you'll be excited. And it's, and it's the reframing of words as well, which helps. Go on then. So if if you and I go to a theme park and we're on Blackpool Pleasure Beach, right, and we're queued up to the big one. Yeah. Our, our bodies are going to do the same thing while we're in that queue. Our response of our body is going to, we're going to have a higher heart rate. You know, we're going to get dry mouths. We're going to be breathing a little bit shallower. Right. We're going to, it's going to, it's going to change our, our physiological state. But you could have a smile on your face, and I don't like rides. I don't. I don't go on rides. I don't enjoy them. Yeah, yeah. Right. But if I'm afraid of them, if I'm afraid that I might fall off, right. But my body is doing the same as your body. But you've got a smile on your face, and I'm worried. But we're, we're going through the same thing, and the difference is that I'm saying that I'm afraid, and you're saying you're excited. But our bodies are acting exactly the same way, and it's just understanding the reframing that the reason why you're excited and the reason why I'm fearful it's all the same response and understanding the response is what frees you a lot of the time to be able to understand okay this is why I feel this way understanding the response is the bit that helps you yeah and understanding the feelings of like because that adrenaline when whenever you get that adrenaline and you know I'm saying um, on a theme park it's a pretty mild sort of example but if you were to say to go and speak in front of people, like I know that's like the worst fear that ever. Yeah, and, and for, death, I for other people in business, it's going into a big sales meeting. It's it's getting your business off the ground. It's getting your first few customers, whatever it is. Yeah, you know, you know, dealing with problem customers. You know, it's on customer service, that might be a, a, a spike of pressure for people as well. Of course, and I think the pressure is important, though, isn't it? We need that pressure because that's what ultimately pulls us and drives us when we're setting goals and targets for ourselves. Like without the goals and targets, you're probably not going to achieve very much. If you don't have plans and goals and targets, then you aren't really going to do anything, are you? It was a, a, a re- this is just one line out of book, probably I read 20 years ago. It's a real simple, A to Z of performance. Um, Nicholas Bates called Being the Best. And there's chapter F, it was, Chapter A, B, attention for A, belief for B, confidence for C. F was fear. And this line said, fear is not telling you to stop. Fear is telling you to proceed with caution. Be aware. But he made the point of proceed. Be aware. All of a sudden, start to understand things on a different level. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. That is the whole point, isn't it? That is the encapsulation of the cave you fear to enter. Like, you've got to 
you've got to feel them first because it's going to mean something to you. Like, sorry, like I was saying before about fighting and competing, and they'll ask me, do I want to compete and fight again? And I'm like, well, it doesn't scare me. There is no, I'm not afraid of going having a fight because it doesn't mean anything to me anymore. I've been and done that. And so it doesn't really interest me because I don't feel like that's where, apart from all my injuries and surgeries and, you know, I'm a little bit older now. Excitement. Is excitement the opposite of fear? No, it's the same. It's the same as fear. It's the same fear. It's the same feeling. Right. So like if, if you, if, if you remember, right, if I go back to when I was a kid and it's Christmas Eve or, uh, and I'm thinking, right, it's Christmas Eve and I'm being told I've got to go to bed and I have to go to sleep. Or if you put yourself back there, if you put yourself there to when yeah, you yeah. as a child. I'm, I'm doing it now. Right. And you think, and your parents are saying, get to bed. You've got to get to sleep or he's not coming. You're going, I'm trying to get to sleep, yeah. but I can't. Right. And you can't get to sleep because you're so excited. Right, and you're so excited, and you're overthinking. Oh my God, Father Christmas is gonna come. You're not afraid because some guy's coming down your chimney and breaking in your house and dropping stuff off, are you? <laughs> right, you're you're excited. You're thinking, Oh my God, and you're visualizing. What will I open up in the morning? All them toys. Oh my God, I'm gonna get. It's a really good example, guys. Right, but then if you've got a massive presentation tomorrow, and you're having to step in front of whoever it's gonna be. What means a lot, and you're visual, you're visualizing your career now. What impact will this have on my career? What will it happen? Will it take me to X, Y, Z? Will it take me away? One, one of my coaches said to me, um, and I remember this forever. Brad Sugars, actually, you know, what if it goes wrong? You know, that could be thought. Oh, this is your fear. What if it goes wrong tomorrow? I'm doing a big presentation. He says, you've got to have this thought. Then, what if it goes right? You've got to have that as quickly as possible. Yeah. Every time you think this, you got to think that. Huh? Yeah. And also, what if it goes wrong? So what? So what? <laughs> so what? Yeah, what, what, what did you say? There's, you know, there's more important things. Was it matter anyway? How does it matter, really? And, you know, what does it matter anyway? That's, that's the principle of letting go, isn't it? Not attaching to the bad stuff. Well, it's not attaching as well to an outcome. Expectation causes disappointment in our life. Like, aside from business, aside from business, when people expect a thing to happen, an outcome, a desired outcome, and it doesn't happen the way that they intended it or the way that they visualized it, it can really cause unhappiness and pain. And I think lots of us struggle with an expectation. And I think people misunderstand like the law of attraction in this way. It's got to be this way. This is how it's got to be and it's got to happen here now. And I think they misunderstand and misconstrue the way that the law of attraction is meant to work. Progressively over time. Over time. You can't, you can't just say, right, I want a million, a million pounds now. And it goes, it's not really how it works. But you can manifest a lot of things in your life. But the expectation of thinking it has to happen the way that you say and it has to be on purpose in, in, in that respect causes a lot of disappointment. Yeah, like I did some I did some reading recently on expectations actually. And one of the things it said it, it, in there was this is how important expectations are and you've got to be aware of this. Uncommunicated expectations are the biggest reason why people get divorced. 
and not just in marriages, in business, in work. The reason why people split up is because of uncommunicated expectations. Now that's gone. I'm sorry. Do you think? So do you think that then ultimately comes back to? And this is it's not off topic, but um, people not reading because not reading. They're reading, and I know this sounds like a roundabout way to say it, but vocabulary is super important. And when people are unable to convey the feelings and the meanings and their expectations because they don't have to communicate with words the ability, yeah, the ability to communicate correctly because they can't put, like I know that there is links to people uh, being in long-term prison sentence, uh, sentence who have a much lesser capacity for a higher vocabulary. Or who were uh, uh, who were unable to to speak the way that maybe you are argued, and I assumed for years when I read that study, I just sort of assumed that it was to do with the environment that they had been in, that they hadn't been exposed to books as much, or the opportunity to read. But now I think my view has changed quite dramatically in that. I think it's a frustration thing more than anything else. Because if you imagine a young child, when they are sat and they're one and they can't speak properly yet, the frustration on them because they're trying to convey something to you causes them to be upset. And they become so frustrated and crying and tears and tantrums and until they're able to say, I want this from here, I want this food, I want this thing. Gradually when I thought about it, a lot of this disappointment I think comes from frustration from being unable to say in the correct manner of saying I want this to happen I want us to be able to do this and probably being courageous to say well for sure I think having the confidence to say this is where I want our business to go this is what I want us to be or this is what you know I want to be courteous to you like if in relationships you know being courteous to your husband or your wife is one of the key components of a, of a happy marriage does planning overcome fear then you know like planning what you're going to say how are you going to do this does that help you in you know entering the cave you know you stood on the outside and the treasure's on the inside do you, do you go through a, a period of planning does it help you start to proceed Planning in what way? When we're going to go? How we're going to get there? What? We're oh, going to of do? course. Well, you need you'll need to plan your goals, won't you? Like this is something that people miss. This is quite a lot of work I do with quite a lot of people in in different scenarios. But if you don't have a goal, if you don't have goals that you wanted to achieve, where are you, what are you doing? Where are you going? If 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 you go shopping and you don't have a list. If you're going grocery shopping and you don't have a list, you always miss loads of things off, don't you? And then you come back and you go, I didn't get this and I didn't get that. I didn't have this. And you've wasted loads of time in the shop because you're just looking around and looking at stuff. Without the goals and targets, I think you just waste loads of your time. You you, you need to know what, what you're trying to achieve, don't you? Yeah. And look, you've coached lots of people. So I'm guessing over the period of, I don't know, 15, 20 years that you've been doing that, you, you've, you've coached people that have been really clear on goals and coached people that have not been clear on goals. Yeah. Are there any standout people that you think, they were so clear 
on what they wanted to achieve? Um, yeah, there's a lot of people. Um, and what, what was the impact on their lives and performance and all of this kind of stuff? Well, so, well, Michael Bisping was right. a training partner of mine. We were friends and he fell out with some of the team and they, unfortunately they had a fallout. But one thing that, that Mike did, he had a sense of, he had a drive I've, I've not seen in many people. Um, and, and I would say he, I wouldn't say that he wrote his goals down. I don't, I, I'm imagining not, but he knew that he was going to be a champ. I, I knew he was going to be a champ. What? So he visualized it, he could see it. He would have visualized it, I'm sure, yeah. I don't believe we ever spoke about that, but he would have visualized it. He earned, he earned that title. He went through some hardships, um, for sure. How important is the hardship? Well, I think it's very important. I think everyone goes through it when anyone who, who achieves things that go through hard things at various points in the life. I think even early on in your childhood, you'll go through hard things. Some of the, in hindsight now, me looking back, I had a really tough time of it about eight years ago, um, like some health issues. And I was at the lowest point ever and I really, and business suffered, my health suffered. Um, relationships suffered, everything suffered. And that suffering ultimately is what set me free more than anything else ever. What do you mean? So I broke my neck, my arm stopped working, my knee snapped, my patella tendon ruptured, so my kneecap had come off and that was the second time it had happened on another knee. So the majority of my income was um, obviously coaching. While I'm stuck in a, a hospital bed, my arm doesn't work. I can't move my leg. I had other businesses, and then I I was getting. I had someone make a claim against me for a lot of money, that was false and untrue, and then uh, one of our other businesses was struggling a little bit, and we'd expanded and got a bit too keen on and pushed pushed to expand too much. And there was other things going on too. And there was that many things going on um, that obviously my wife was upset. She was seeing me like this. The first time that I'd done this to my knee, I was really ill. When I'd done it previous, years and years previous, I became really ill and I got sepsis. And So for her, she was struggling, which obviously then made me struggle more because I wasn't able to be the person I needed to be to help her at that time. And so all them things happened and it was then when I could fight, like I'd, I'd taught all this stuff, I knew all this stuff that I'm speaking to you about today. But all that happened that time, and there was, a, I can remember the day where there was that much pressure, it was like everything broke and then everything released. And, it, and I embodied then everything about, it'll be all right. So there was that much pressure. I mean, you started with suffering sets you free, really. But there was that much pressure, everything broke. And because it was, this thing of it doesn't matter. It it doesn't matter. You will. I was I was in a really bad place, but I understood all the all the tenets that I speak and I teach and I coach. I knew all them things then, 
coach me now, right? So like, let's make up a hypothetical situation because I get where we're going with this and I'm really intrigued on it. Um, let's say I've got a, a big sales meeting coming up tomorrow. I'm, I'm the sales director of, of a firm and I've got to close this deal. And I'm really worried that I'm not going to close it. Well, ultimately, I would have to sit with you. Like, and I think this comes to the thing of coaching. And I think people misinterpret the words of coaching. So for, for, for your industry, it's slightly different in the, your business coaching. Yeah, oh, but, 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 but even then, I don't think, even as a business coach, I think sometimes, like, I have a thing in, in mixed martial arts and martial arts in general, it's a strange place, really, because you are a coach. I'm a coach to a lot of people, but I'm also a teacher to some people and an instructor to some people. Right. And there's varying levels of intricacies of what yeah. is involved. Now, an instructor, anyone can be an instructor who learns technique, I think. Like a, a, a fitness instructor. I, they can come in and they go, right, I know a press-up. And they go, right, 10 press-ups, yeah. 10 squats. And I'm just instructing and saying, you have to follow this yeah. plan, right? But then teaching, martial arts needs a teacher because I have to be able to teach you techniques of how to yeah. do the things, what you're doing, either to punch correctly, wrestle correctly, do ju certain jujitsu. So I need to teach. But then coaching is as much about getting what's inside you out of you. So teaching is me giving you these things. But coaching now is a lot about the things that you know Inherently, no inside. Yeah, it's me to pull them out of you and to let you. You know, and, and I get that will take time to unpay. I mean, but I, I, my thoughts can unfold on this point. You know, because it's like I'm I'm worried that I might not close this. Whatever. So, so it is. then you have to look at why are you worried? What's causing you your pain? All right, but let's say let's just go with. Well, it doesn't matter anyway, James. Yeah, but it does matter, Tom. Uh, because you know I've got to perform. Because yeah, because that's not because I like when I say I wouldn't say to you, oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, because it does matter to you at the minute, and it should matter. Like it's not like like I don't say, it. and and this is sometimes where it takes time and depth because it doesn't matter. Seems very easy. It, and very much. It's like, a good way. Of, it's a good way of releasing, though. I mean. Um, a psychologist I used to work with called Mark Borden, he coached um, table tennis player Matthew Said. Matthew says he wrote a number of books. One of them's called Bounce, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, good book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So one of them's called Bounce. And um, just in a brief brief thing for Matthew Said, he, he went to the Olympic Games and he was, he was ranked to get a medal. He was ranked to medal at the Olympic Games. And but he felt the pressure and he was drawn against German player, really hard working, really worried beforehand, going through all of these cognitions and apologies from getting any part, part of this story. Was and it he, the table tennis? Yeah, table yeah. tennis guy, yeah. And he was drawn against the, the German player. He was really worried. He was consumed with fear. And he, and he bombed out. And um, a few years later, he was in the World Championships and... He was ranked to get a medal again, uh, seeded to get a medal. And again, he was drawn up in the first round and 
they learned from the Olympics. And you know, you know, you know what the only difference, the only difference that happened was all the preparation was same. Yes, we we're doing this. They, they, they got everything up there, but literally ten minutes before he went, I said, "So what? Fuck it. So what if I lose? Yeah, just so what? Just let it all go. Meddled." And, and that is also down to, and this is something I use a lot with some of my guys. So I have a, a fighter of mine, uh, Andrew Clamp, an amazing story. I can't wait for, for it to be told in its entirety, but he's such a, like he's like a son to me. We're very, very close. And he, he's an exceptional fighter. But he's, he's like a child. He's silly. He's funny. He enjoys himself. But come fight night, sometimes he was like switching, thinking that he had to be like, maybe carrying himself a little bit like I do in this stoic demeanor, maybe being pretty chill. But I I had conversations with him and said to him, you're you're silly. (laughs) Be silly. You know, enjoy the moment. Just be you. Don't. Don't think you have to be something. Don't think about anything else other than you just being you and enjoying each moment. And the difference when he when he does that is night and day. You're silly. Be silly. Be silly. Like because we are who we are, aren't we? We have we have things within us that we are yeah. that person. Personalities. Yeah. And sometimes people try to think and pretend that they don't need to be that they shouldn't be the person they are. But when you're an athlete, I think that goes against everything that, that goes into your performance. Um, I can't remember the book now. It's an it's a, an old book. It's a really good book. This is about your type one and type two. Yeah, and about your your. Uh, it's like real realistically, it's like your conscious and subconscious. And if you're consciously thinking about the performance, you'll always struggle. Because you're you're putting blockers between yeah your body doing what it needs to do, and slowing it down and slowing it down. And in the book, it's talking. It's about tennis and the game of tennis. I think it's yeah. And Timothy he, Galway, Timothy Galway, that's the one. And he's talking about when he would be hitting the ball. Yeah. You don't don't think about your racket and going. Yeah, think about the ball coming instead and switch so you can switch off what you're thinking about. When you can do that, that's when you'll start really performing. When you start in, in any walk of life, I think in anything, yeah, I think in anything. But yeah, you also have to know it, don't you? So you have to have had someone teach you, I think, and then coach you to do that. Like there, well, there, there, there are three stages of learning. There's there's the cognitive stage where you're processing it all, so you just don't know what you're doing yet. It's bound by errors and it's chunky at best. Associative, where you understand what to do, but you're just not smooth at doing it. And then there's the, an autonomous phase where it's automatic. Yes, yeah. I, I think that's the goal for for all sk- execution of skills. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think in that in going back to bounce is that the one, is it like the myth of talent, natural talent, or something? Is that what it is? Is that what it is? That one uh, bounce. It's yeah. Yeah, several areas, but is, is it talking about um, when like it talks about the ten thousand yes. and all yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Which I, I sometimes I disagree with some. some the ten thousand hours. Yeah, not so much ten thousand hours um, to be an expert. I think you have to put time in, but I think people have a natural 
from what I've seen from coaching. Yeah, he's from coaching kids. Some people are naturally. Some people kidding. are more naturally adept at doing something. And I'm not saying that they don't, uh, sometimes when it comes so easy to them, they struggle then when it goes. I like that adage, uh, hard work will always be talent if talent's not prepared to work hard. Yeah, always. And it's you, like- You, you, you want the combination of both, don't yeah. you? Like the work ethic and the skill. And, and, and the skill, yeah. And the ability, like some people are just more physically gifted, I think. Um, and, you know, I've seen I've seen kids that come in and I'm like, so what, what are the keys then to emotional control? Let's say, I, you know, I'm, I want to achieve something. What, what are the keys for me to get control of my emotions? Not just fear, but all of... Well, so I think there's, there's things that we should all practice daily. Like meditation yeah. is a practice that I do and I have done for a long, long time. And I make sure that I do it every day. So some some of our listeners will be meditating. Some people won't be meditating. So what should they do next? Well, it, you can literally spend five minutes a day meditate before you go to bed or when you wake up in the morning or whatever. Set a little plan and make it a habit. And it's only five minutes. There's ways to do it. Breath work. You know, you, you can just focus on your breath coming in and out. But meditation... People misunderstand meditation in that if you're panicked and they just go, right, I'm going to meditate and have a minute, you eventually you're going to link, if that's all you do every time, eventually you're going to link that panic state to trying to meditate and calm down. You go, it doesn't work. Yeah. But if if you can do it every day before you go to bed or when you wake up in the morning, you spend five minutes, you don't realize the benefits that it has on you over the course of six weeks, six months, six years, et cetera, lifetime because it's just in you and that's what instills a lot of calmness in you because you're able to sit and just be quiet. And once you're able to develop that skill, it just spreads throughout your life without really noticing. It's one of them things that- Drapes it up on you. Yeah. It's, it's, the calmness and composure the, the calmness creeps up. The, yeah, you'll just, okay. I'll be, I'll, I'll be calm and- And that's for f- five minutes of meditating a day. Well, anytime, you know, I just say five minutes because five minutes. Personally, I, I do 20 to 30 minutes every night. That's part of my routine at night time. When I get back from coaching, working, training, whatever I've done, I get back and I have a set routine of things that I like to do. Meditation is at the end before I go to bed. And then I'll, I'll do one in the morning, but I just do a few minutes in the morning and then maybe I'll meditate or visualize when I'm doing my sauna, working stuff like that, room sauna. But... As a simple thing, if you've never done it before, just set five minutes at one, whatever is easiest for you to sit. And, and that's sit how you start to get in control of your emotions. I think that's one part. There, there are many parts to it. There's, there's lots of ways you can do it. But it's the misunderstanding of like, you can't just go, right, now. I'm not afraid of things. Or I'm very calm. It doesn't work like that. You don't develop anything straight away. People, all of us are like super keen on getting something instantaneously. I mean, we want it there, then and there. We need it. Yeah. But it doesn't work like that. That's not how you develop calmness. You have to face adversity too to then realize you can be calm in adversity and in facing. I know sometimes you, you do talk about sometimes when you achieve something, you feel a sense of relief afterwards. Yeah. So 
people don't really talk about relief. It's funny, you know, like, so fight, fighting is, is so intense. And like the, the stuff, the knowledge it afforded me is massive. It's huge. And that's why I like to coach people that they might not have to go through all the hardships. When I've been with James and stuff and it was like, we, we did some stuff and delved deep and it was like, for me, it was like, you've obviously wanted to go through all these hardships. You find the hardware to do something, yeah. really go into it, find it hardware. So then you can extrapolate right. how to do it as easy as possible. And fighting really showed me a lot about myself. But afterwards, after a fight, so before a fight, the pressure is so immense and it's a self-made pressure it's your own pressure but you put on but I used to put so much pressure on me when I was younger and I didn't understand and it was like I had to see these points of getting I have to win this fight and then I have to win this fight and every fight would then lead me to the UFC when I got to the UFC it would all be mint and I would it would all be fantastic and amazing and I would I would be what I wanted to be yeah right but after every fight, there was so much pressure. People think the feeling is of elation and like, cause you've won, but it isn't always like that. There is a massive relief of this pressure of like, oh, now that's over with. But the flip side to that is, where, and, and everyone feels it, but not many people realize that it's relief, but relief is like a, probably one of the greatest feelings you can have if ever you're expecting the worst news. It happens though in business that does, you know. Yeah. People in all different well, uh, uh, positions in a business that can experience pressure and then eventually accomplish something. And sometimes it can be a state of relief that they're in. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think, what should you do next? Let's say you do achieve something, you do feel relieved. What's the next but right, best okay. thing to do? So for, and I think this is for anything, this encompasses any endeavor of like, where you're trying to achieve something. Now, in business, if you have something, now it's funny, I'll go back to this in a minute, but in business, if you have something you want to achieve, I don't know, a, a merger, you've got a big deal out there or something. And this is taking up everything for this one moment. And then you do it. And you've been on this high, this mental high then, because you're like, oh, we've done it. Amazing. And it's like, Oh, relief. It went exactly as we wanted. Perfect. And then you hit this crash. Yeah. And you can't get moving for weeks. And you can't get excited for weeks. Because this was the ultimate thing that you're after. But you forgot anything else after it. There was not, you never set anything else after it. There was no long plan. And this was what happened in fights. And I'm, and I have a thing with the, with my fighters who I coach that after a fight, you have to be back in the gym within three days to train and to be ready for your next because it, the skill acquisition part of our job is very important. There's a lot of things I need to show you yeah. to make you improve. If you're not here, you can't do that it's because this fight isn't the end goal. 30 fights is our goal and, and making your level improve. So uh, after you experience release, a relief are you saying get back in you have to be back within three days yeah or set the next goal if you but because but, but that's what i mean so like our goal 
So, and this is the thing about setting goals and the importance of setting goals is what what is your ultimate goal? Is it only one fight? Well, I won't, probably wouldn't really bother unless you're just doing it as a challenge to yourself to sort of go, I'm going to do a white collar fight. You know, other than that, I would be like, you know, why? What's the point? But if you're setting yourself the goal to become exceptional at martial arts, well, it doesn't stop just here, does it? It doesn't stop after one fight. You're not exceptional after one fight, that's for sure, right? But you want to get a full encompassing knowledge of mixed martial arts. And you've got to have peaks and dips because that's just life, the same as in business. But if you don't have these goals and then, you know, probably micro goals of whatever it is you want to achieve, then you're going to face a little bit of a struggle, I think. Fascinating stuff. Right. Okay. So if you were to summarize what personal excellence is when it comes to that fear, what, what would it be? What do you mean in what way? Like, let's so if, 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 when it comes to me controlling fear, what would make me okay. the world's best? What are, you, what are you afraid of? You have to ask yourself what you're afraid of. You have to, you have, to have questions, don't you? What, what are you afraid of? Usually, most people. What do I fear? What am I afraid of? What are you afraid of? Like, usually, most people are afraid of other people's opinions. If you can get rid of that, if most people can get rid of that, then we'd see a much different world, right? And it's a really good point. And I think because we're so afraid of failure, if you feel like you can't do anything, then you probably won't, will you? So, so these people are, are afraid of what someone might say or think or whatever about them. But yeah, if they could let that go, they would go and make mistakes all day long and learn from each one, each failure that they make. Is there an art to letting go? Um, it's a practice, isn't it? There's, there's certainly something embedded within all of us that we inherently care about someone's opinion. It's amazing, isn't it, how we hold on to stuff. You know, what you hold on to holds on to you. And so you yeah. want to let it go. But if you look at all the, all the like quotes from thousands of years ago, like Lao Tzu said, if you care what other people think, you'll always be the prisoner. Like, this is thousands of years ago. We're, we're still doing the same stuff now. Like, we think we're so advanced, but yet everything's still the same. But yet, if you go and speak to a lot of people, usually they're all right with See that is a good skill to have. I can see that that would that would take you toward personal excellence. Yeah, I think that's that's the ultimate in letting go of people's opinions to a point. Yeah, um, I don't really care what anyone thinks of me. I'll be honest, and it's very powerful. Well, I think you've got a nice hairstyle. Yeah, killed it for us today. <laughs> yeah, you're looking nice and strong. Yeah, but but I didn't do it for you. Okay, right, and it's like. When, like, I, I don't care about the opinion. So it's like, oh, and obviously, like, you gave me a compliment and I accept it with gratitude, but I am also not bothered at, at what you thought of. of if I'd have said, I don't like your haircut, I would still not be bothered because it's my haircut, it's not yours. Yeah. Right. And it's like, when I do, I should really like your haircut, yeah. though. He's like, <laughs> he's really rare. Right. But when, but when, you, if you care, like this is the double-edged sword of, of, I've termed it feedback. 
because it's much nicer and it's like saying the same about excitement and yeah no i'd say feedback people call it criticism but i'd rather refer to it as feedback because it's a lot less intrusive to have feedback as opposed to criticism can i criticize what you just did or can i give you some feedback on what you just did there's yeah, they mean the same things, really. But it, 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 if you read the description of the dictionary, the two yeah, very there's way different of, words. Yeah, there's ways of, there's ways of putting it, across, and they create it? a feeling different inside of us. Right, it's very different feeling, very different emotional state from the two words of what we say. But when we don't care about criticism, I also can't take your compliment fully on board and be like, "Yeah, it's the most beautiful hair you've ever seen." Yeah, yeah. Right. Because yeah. then if you said yeah, your is it your hair is your hers a bit crap, I'd be like, is it is it crap? It's a double edged sword, so I have to be cautious on you have to be cautious on compliments, you know, impress pulling on your ego and getting your yeah. ego to and pride to take charge then because it can be dented pretty easily when someone else says, I don't like your curly hair. True, yeah. Maybe if you're sensitive one way, maybe you're sensitive the other. You've gotta you've gotta keep them both in check. Sometimes, so it's not just about saying, "I don't care what you think," as long as you, if you're saying bad things, I don't care. Yeah. But if you say good things, I like it because they're both the same, the same blade. It's just the two two sides, and it's a very important differential to make. But and it's and it's understanding also that not caring what someone thinks, not caring about the opinion. Like I care about opinions of people I respect, and I would always always uh, request feedback from them and input from them. Like my book I wrote, I sent it out to the people I care about, the people I love, the people whose opinion I respect. And I've said, will you please just read that and view it? Not that it's someone you know who wrote it. Just please read it. Tell me your feedback on the things you want to change, on the things that you would change to make it a more enjoyable thing for you or that you could take away more from that book if I did these things. And so then I looked and I was, and, and I had things where the, what I knew I wanted to change. And so if they said the same as me, then that was a definite, that's being rewritten. Or if the two of them said the same thing, then obviously that means, well, it's probably a point that, that needs to change. And some of them will say some things and I'm like, no, I don't agree. And no one else said it. So I do, I do have, I, I do got occur about opinion in that the feedback can be really good for for what I want to offer to help people, but it, I'm not bothered about people. Who does he think he is? And that's where people worry. But if you engage in that stuff, if you're the one saying, "Who do they think they are?" It will bounce back on you hundred times, like one point, you point one finger and three point back at you. All them things. That's the stuff that kills people. The judgment. You know, remove thy being. It's all in the Bible, right? We, it's everywhere, and it's like if you can admit you judging, you'll you'll not be bothered about that judgment yourself because you you don't do it. Because I don't I don't have time to judge on people. I don't look at people and go, who do they think they are? Interesting that. So the less you judge others, the the less personal you will be start taking things. Yeah. Like, oh, if you don't gossip, I don't sit and gossip. I haven't got yeah. time to sit and gossip. I have no interest. Go talk to this about that, or yeah, about, about people. Like, because it will always come back on you. It's easy to gossip, isn't it? You know, like, what's the the um, the saying about like small minds and small minds talk about uh, people and you know, I, I, B 
big people talk about ideas or whatever it is. And it's like knowing it's easy to talk to gossip, isn't it? It's really easy. Like I could still find myself being pulled into it all the time. But it's like I have this thing where I'll say gossip positively instead of see the difference it feels it makes on you. Like you and I was talking about James and everything we said was of an extremely high standard of yeah. saying what a great fellow he is. Gossip. You know, we spoke about Vinny. Everything was about how fantastic he yeah. is. We're speaking about people in a positive light all the time. Like that, positive gossip. Right, I've got some quick questions for you here. What's the fi- your favourite book? What's the best book you've ever read? So I would... I have a lot of different ones, but... Um, so I have like a, a, a practice that I do in the morning. I, I read meditations and a calendar of wisdom and I'll just sit and read a few paragraphs and then think, what do they mean by this? What's the thought process on this? So I would say that them two books are in my life a lot. So I would have to give them- What are they called? Uh, meditations, Marcus Aurelius's meditations. Right. So, so this is where uh, Max Aurelius's meditations. Yes. So let's go with that. Let's share that with the readers. That's so, med- meditations is Marcus Aurelius, Marcus Aurelius's journal. That was his his book. Um, that was his journal, his own private journal. Right. He was the emperor. He would write all his thoughts. He's a stoic, and they found his book and published it. So it's like it, it, it was his private journal and. It's all his thoughts, but there's some great teachings and things, you know, like I was saying before, from 2000, 2000 years ago, the, 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 they're doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, we, the same thing. it's a good point. Right. Um, and then the other one, Calendar of Wisdom, is Tolstoy, and it's, it's similar. It's just his thoughts. But like, if you look at, uh, like we were talking about the 365 yeah. um, stairs, it's like, it's, it's that's where, They've got the idea realistically. I, I believe anyway. I've never read that, but it's yeah. in a very similar sort of trait of you read a day of good point uh, of of wisdom. What's your favorite movie? Well, I love Star Wars. Who's like, your favorite character in it? Well, when I was a kid, it was Luke Skywalker. <laughs> I don't like I don't like the new ones. I, I think the last three did lost the way a little right. bit. And the reason I like Star Wars, like I wrote about this on my website, on my coaching website a little while back. The, the Star Wars, the six films, the stuff they have in it, I don't even realise. Like I've wrote about Star Wars in my book actually a tiny bit as well. But I didn't realise at the time the impact it would have on me. And I didn't realise it until a few years back. What impact has it had on you? Well, if you were to watch Star Wars, again, going back to uh, Joseph Campbell, it's like the hero's journey. That's what Star Wars is. It's like the, the whole tale is that. But when you actually go into the depth of some of the stuff that happens in there, like he's the the obvious stuff that George Lucas was into, like the Buddhism and mm-hmm. Stoicism and all these philosophies that you don't realize at the time until you know, and 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 like let you know the whole thing of culture and letting everyone just be involved and be happy, and there's different people everywhere and all these things, but you don't realize it at the time. And then there's a bit, which is a bit off, a bit off from what we're talking about. But um, have you seen Star Wars? Yeah, of course. So, do you remember when Luke Skywalker goes to see Master Yoda? Yeah, and he crashes into the Death yeah. Swamp, 
right? And he's in the swamp. Yep. And it's time for him to leave. He's finished his training. And Yoda says to him, you're going to have to get your staff out, your, your X-Wing out of the swamp. And he says, I can't. I can't do that. What do you mean? And Yoda's going, you can do that. Just take it out. Use the force. And for anyone who doesn't know what the force is, it's like a telekinesis thing where yeah. you can lift. And he says, use the force and lift it. He goes, oh, I'll try. And it's like, I have this thing with try. I hate it, I'll try. Because try and insinuates you're going to fail. It yeah. means you already don't believe that you can do it because you'll either do it or you won't do it. But trying is just like, I'll try. And it's like, he says, I'll try. Goes to do it. And he says about, oh, it's different. It's not rocks. It's not rocks. It's a it's a big ship. The other says, there is no difference. With it all. And do or do not. Do or do not. There is no try. And he, he lifts it from the swamp. And Luke is like, I can't believe it. I don't believe it. And Yoda says, and that is why you failed. And it's like, if you don't believe in yourself or in what you can do, you will always fail. That was a good story, that, on on your favourite movie. Um, and I would say as well, Star Wars is my favourite, but I also like The Matrix too, the original Matrix. Neo. Neo, because, again, working on the same thing is... Neo didn't develop superpowers. He was always the chosen one. But the only difference in what he did was he believed. And Morpheus even says it in the film. And he turns and he faces that Agent Smith on the train tracks and he says to him, and they're all watching, they're going, what's he doing? And Morpheus says he's starting to believe and he fights and he, he gets rid of the agent and he runs off. It's amazing that, isn't it? Two, two really sort of deep reflections and uh, stories there. I mean, the chosen one. When, you, when the listeners believe that they are the chosen ones in their lives and they believe it, things are going to change, yeah? Exactly. And I, and I think not in a selfish way either. It's like knowing that you can be somebody that can change everybody else, that can help everybody else. Big, big, big. All right. Uh, favorite holiday destination? Now, when I go on holiday, I like to just, I'm a bit boring, really. I like to go and sit by the pool. I play with my son, sit with my wife. And I read, and I just like getting lots of sun. Um, like I've just been, I've just been away just last week. I've just been to Greece. Right. I just sat in the sun. I, I burnt my scalp a bit, so I'm like got a flaky head and uh, flaky face. But I really enjoyed it. I, I went to Turkey. I thought Turkey was lovely too because I see that. But I, I'm fortunate in that fighting has took me all over the yeah. world, and I've seen some beautiful places. Yeah, I mean, you were on a TV show in in. America as well, 14 yes. years ago. Yeah, I spent a long time in America. Um, spent a lot of time in Vegas um, and in a place called Red Rock in Vegas, which is just off the strip. Right. Spent time there. That was lovely. America was lovely, you know. So is America your favourite? Or yeah. Greece? No. Turkey. I liked Turkey. Turkey was beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I spent a long time. I lived in Canada for about five or six right. months. Um, we filmed the Air Team movie. Um, and that was. Were you in the A team? I, I did some stunt work on the A team. Yeah, really. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. So I was over there doing some coaching and then some fight choreography with the guys. So the director there, Joe Carnahan's like fantastic. 
is just such a. Uh, Are you a stuntman? Like guy. No, I, but I did. You know, I always wanted to be a stuntman when I was yeah. a little boy. Mission Impossible style. Yeah, that would be great, <laughs> wouldn't it? I would, before pre-injuries, I would have loved to have done all that stuff. But um, so what is it? Go on then. Favorite country: Canada, America, Turkey, Greece. Do you know what I like? I like them all. I'm not oh, okay. I, I'm not. Um, all right. If you could have a superpower, what would you? What would it be? Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't even know. And I love, I love superheroes, and I've never thought like, oh, yeah, maybe like healing, something like that would be quite good. Amazing that one. Um, that would be right. You know, because of just being injured and things, and I would probably say healing. Healing yourself, or healing others. Um, healing everybody would be even nicer, wouldn't it? I mean, well, is it a better you have to heal life? yourself first before you can heal anyone else, yeah. don't you? Absolutely. So, are you early bird or night owl? Night owl. I, I've tried to change that. I've tried to change it. I, I think when I'm away, I wake up a lot early. When the sun rises early, right. it's nice and warm. I really like the sun. Um, and I'm going to try and uh, engineer my life that I'll spend a part of my year in the sunshine you, what would Yoda say to you you would say do it he, he would <laughs> like and I will do it I am going to do it that is that is the decision yeah. I made I'm yeah. going to be able to work remotely from from certain places that I, yeah. I choose because I like I like but I, normally here I would say like I mean in comparison to some people who are getting up at like 5am I'm very far from that I'm like a 7am kind of guy um, and a 11pm to midnight bedtime kind of guy if you could have one day in someone else's life who would you choose um it would depend on in what respect if I feel like I could learn something you know I would I would love to see or, or to be around people who I feel could teach me things you got anyone any teacher that you're thinking of off the top of my head, no. But it's like I, I, I wouldn't want to live anyone else's life. I don't. I'm not envious of anyone's life. Like I mean, I assume sometimes maybe you ask people that and they think, oh, I'd love to go and drive a car or you know, be. I'd love to go and. Would you uh, like to live a day in Max Aurelius's life? You know what? No, I'd like to speak to him. I'd like to right. to see have dinner him. with him. Yeah, I'd like to sit and in the sun and converse with him in the sun. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no but, book, no book required. Just you and him, you know, on a sunbed, chatting. You and Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, that's a nice visual. Yeah. All right. Who have been the three biggest trusted advisors in your life? My wife. Mm-hmm. Um. And then advisors. Like people that have helped you most, uh, you know, I, I, I would, I would, I wouldn't like to say because I think so many people have helped me, right? In nice. so many things, and I wouldn't want anyone to be upset and think that I forgot that they're, yeah. you know, in this moment. That's a beautiful. That's a really nice. And I think because people have this illusion about self-made, don't they? Not one of us is self-made ever, and I and I think it not only performs a disservice to the people who've helped you, I think it performs a disservice to yourself 
and then you are able to display gratitude right. to the people who involved you on that way on that path. What have you got from your wife? What did you, what was the biggest thing you've got from your wife? Um, we've just got like this wonderful relationship really together of change. We've just seen each other change so much. We've been together for a very long time. Uh, we've seen each other change and this trust. It's just a very good relationship where we really like being with each other, spending time with each other, talking about things we want to talk about. Like, yeah, that's a good point. So you got like peace from that. You know, you've got self-trust though. Well, yeah, I've got what I have at home is safety. Right. You know, and trust. And I feel a very strong need and desire to protect her and my son and the people I love. And that's also what gives me a driving force in a lot of the things that I do. Nice. And always has, you know, and, and, um, I think that's very important. If the listeners could or should do one thing from listening to this, what do you think it should be? The thing that you fear. That's what you should do. There you go. Look at that. That's a good point. Do like if, if you're afraid of something, why are you afraid of it and go do it? Because if you're not afraid, then it probably doesn't mean that much to you. Yeah. And if you're going to do a second thing, meditate. And then meditate. <laughs> there's, there's, there's like a whole encompassing thing that you could do. That That's could a do good, really good answer. You know, you know what? My favorite part of today, this conversation. I love the cave comment earlier on. You know, after you, you, yeah. I, I love the. If you're afraid of something, it's got to be important to you. But my, my favorite bit, hands down, was Star Wars and Matrix. Yeah. And the rationale behind that, you know, you are the chosen one. Believe it. Yeah. Oh, very, very powerful. What's been your favorite part today? Uh, it should be here talking to you. I enjoy, you know, conversing like this is, is fantastic. Like I said, you know, to have people you can sit, talk to, have questions asked and ask questions and learn from is probably what people miss most, I think. I think there's a lot of intelligent people about, and yet, they don't get to have conversations like this very often. And I think that's a blessing of, like we're talking about the information about like podcasts and things like this. You can just sit and listen and, and develop your own meanings and thoughts on, on things and develop yourself. Tom Bartledge, thank you very much, sir. Thank you, mate.